Hello everyone, uh, this is Sakib, joined by good friend Andrew Burt. It was quite a day at Wimbledon, and uh, we just want to talk a few things about the Roger Federer-Kevin Anderson match. And uh, I don't even know where to start with. You have to give full credit to Anderson. Not only was he battling scoreboard pressure, his history against Federer, and even, you know, he was in a no-man's, you know, he, he was in new territory at, uh, at a major, playing a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. I know he's been a finalist at US Open. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, you watched the match. Uh, what are your feelings? What are your takeaways, the immediate ones? And maybe, you know, uh, we can break it down. But uh, was it a match that uh, Federer let it uh, let slip? Or uh, what is the one most important takeaway? Um, I think the most important takeaway is tennis is a sport like golf, where in golf you have to sink the final putt. In tennis, you have to win the final point. Uh, Federer had a match point um, at 30-40, 4-5 in set three. And Anderson put a strong first serve into play. Federer managed to block it back. Anderson attacked. Federer had a chance at a backhand pass and shanked the ball. It went out. Um, Anderson then rode that to a hold. He broke Federer in the next game. Federer actually had three chances to break in the following game, trailing 6-5, try and get to a tie break in the third set, and played four straight rallies from Love 40 uh, up. Four straight rallies where he had balls, makeable balls with his forehands, and wasn't able to win any of those points. Anderson won the third set, uh, was able to, to go on to win the fourth set, and then we were into a service hold battle through the fifth set, rather reminiscent of Roddick against Federer in their 2009 final, which ended with Federer outlasting Roddick, basically, and, and winning 16-14. This time, it wasn't to be for Federer and, and any of his fans, and uh, Kevin Anderson was the deserved winner. Yeah, and Federer was serving first, too. So, again, you know, in a career like this, you know, a lot of these things do even out. The more Federer stays out there, the more he's going to build his legacy, but he's also likely to have these kind of matches. And uh, I know Matt Zemek was talking about the Sangha match on Twitter. Did that uh, cross your mind when... Uh, Federer let that uh, two sets to love lead slip while the match was still on. Did you see any similarities between the way 2011 quarterfinal unfolded with Federer and Songa? Yes and no. More no than yes, I think. So in the Songa match, Federer won the first set and then won the second set in a tie break. But then Songa won the next three sets. I think it was 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. get a break point uh, against Songa until, well, actually after the first set, he didn't get any more break points. So Songa, my memory of that match is Songa just pounding T-serve after T-serve after T-serve and Federer not really having any answers. Today, you really thought, or I really thought, that Federer could create chances on Anderson's serve. Uh, he did have one break point in the final set that Anderson erased with a strong first serve. 
But all the way through the match, I thought that Federer was was getting chances, but he, as he himself acknowledged during the the, the post match press conference, he wasn't able to take those chances. And Anderson, uh, again, it's it's one of the ways you win a tennis match if you're better on the big points than your opponent is, particularly that very very last point, which is a match point. If you're better on the big points you end up the winner. And I thought Anderson played better today, certainly better against Federer than I'd ever seen him play. Mm. Uh, but all, all around, I thought his, his play was excellent. I thought his backhand defense in particular was really, really good. He, he's gotten into positions before where Federer's been able to drive the ball hard to his backhand and, and, and induce some errors. Anderson was defending that really well today Federer's forehand off the baseline looked a bit off, and he complained himself that uh, he wasn't getting the one-two punch that he often gets when he serves. So the the first serve sets up an attacking second forehand. I thought Anderson did really well today on several of Federer's first serves to drive the ball hard at the middle of the court, and Federer tried to flip his forehand for an attacking shot and was having difficulty doing that. And that's what happened in the final service game of Federer's. Uh, he was serving at 30-all. He served his first double fault of the match and then had to hit a second serve. Anderson drove the return back flattened and fairly deep. Not an impossible shot to make, but Federer tried to play a forehand, hit it into the net. And that left Anderson serving for the match, which he did fairly comfortably. Credit to sure. Him. Uh, yeah, a couple of questions uh, on Anderson, but one more on Federer, because I didn't watch the match. I uh, followed some scoreboard, and then I was in meetings all day. Uh, with this kind of a match, you know, uh, you know, the knives do come out. So, and one of the things, I'm sure probably someone has already said, did Federer look his age? Uh, did you feel that? Was he... Uh, was he struggling physically, or was he just, uh, you know, it was just a match that Anderson was just better and Federer played at a high level? What's your take on the last set? You know, uh, was there any physical issues in just terms of slowing down or just not getting some balls, or you didn't see anything, any of that? No, I didn't see any of it. Uh, so the match finished 13-11. I'm uh, pretty sure that's the longest singles match at Wimbledon so far this year, and you know, once you get to six all in in a final set without a tie break, somebody's going to win it. Um, I remember in the 2009 final, I could see that Roddick was slowing down round about 14 all, and you know, credit to him for being able to to play at such a high level for so long without getting broken. Today, uh, I didn't think I, I thought that there were long patches of the game where Federer was was off his rhythm, was making some uh, poor decisions, but I didn't think there were any physical issues that he, he dealt with. He certainly didn't have any back issues that I could see. He did take one slip in the second set where he was attempting to retrieve a ball that was hit to the outside, and he skidded a little bit, but he picked himself up and if he did have any issues, somebody was talking on Twitter about you know, possibly massaging his wrist during changeovers. 
I, I, I really didn't see it in, in press. Nothing came up that indicated that Federer was uh, physically in any issues. One question that did come up in, pre in press was whether he felt mentally fatigued. And Federer basically took the whole thing on the chin. He said that during the match he didn't feel mentally fatigued. He felt mentally fatigued afterwards and was very disappointed and it was a horrible feeling. But he didn't lay any blame at all on uh, being nearly 37. He was asked if he had unfinished business and he basically brushed that off and said, you know, look, I've had pretty good business at, at Wimbledon. I want to come back. I enjoy playing here and gave every indication that, uh, you know, well done. I'll see you the next time. Sure, and let's switch to Kevin Anderson. Huge win for him and well-deserved, like you said, you know. And when someone has your number, even though the uh, matchup wasn't as lopsided, but Federer has had his way against Anderson. So throughout the match, did you see any changes in certain patterns that Anderson maybe played a different strategy or he just got better a groove on his serve and everything fell in place? Or was there a, a pattern that shifted, like say Federer was winning the longer rallies uh, in the beginning and in the end it was Anderson? Was there something like that that stood out strategically? The main thing that I saw strategically was that in the early part of the match, I thought Federer got Anderson into difficulty by hitting this, the backhand slice. It was staying low, and that's a shot that Anderson's often had difficulty with. As the match went on, Anderson had much less difficulty with it. And I think that the, the as the afternoon went on, it got warmer, the conditions got firmer, and I don't think the ball was staying so low on the slice, so I think that that, that helped Anderson out. Um, the main thing that I thought that he was really able to do really well was defend the, the backhand side, which had given him trouble in the past. And one thing that Federer also said in the press was that as the match went on, he wasn't able to surprise Kevin anymore, which, again, possibly talks to Anderson managing to keep Federer in position from which he was unable to get surprised. And what does it do to Kevin Anderson's confidence? Uh, you think he'll have, again, a very hypothetical question. You think he'll have enough left in the tank when he takes on John Isner? Yeah, he's got two days of rest. Uh, he, he never gave any sign that uh, he was having difficulty with his mental level. I think that Kevin Anderson has started to believe in himself, a tremendous cliche. So is John Isner, who was, uh, let's not forget, a, a Masters 1,000 winner for the first time earlier this year. I, I don't think you're going to expect many 30-shot rallies in Anderson against Isner, uh, but whoever comes through that match, I think, is going to say, I've got a puncher's chance when it comes to the final. Right, on that note, Andrew, I think, uh, you know, we covered uh, quite a lot on this particular match, and thanks for doing this. I know uh, you just came back uh, uh, from UK, and it's not an easy day for you as a sports analyst and as a fan, but yeah, I appreciate your inputs as always. And it's always wonderful chat. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And football isn't coming home, apparently.